coming to you from the lab where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's everybody doing? Welcome to The Gun Experiment, Episode 7. This week, Keith and I hang out with Cousin Brian, review Amerigolo sites, rifle rods, and set up our dream workshop. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Monday of every month, so be sure to subscribe. And as always, by my side, my co-host, the big man, Big Keith. How are we doing today, Keith? Doing pretty well. A little uh, windy here in New York and uh, still uh, living the life and living the dream, hanging out with you at uh, nights, which is always a good time, so thank you. Of course, of course. So I, uh, I love the fact that but prior to us uh, actually hitting that record button, you've already uh, had a drink in you, which I'm I'm impressed, man. You're you're coming in loose. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I felt today was a good day to have a uh, have a couple uh, a couple primers, we'll call it. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, enjoying a, a little manmosa, a little screwdriver, ah. as it's commonly known. Nice, nice. I actually, my wife went out and uh, she came home with uh, with some beer for me, and she brought home a. Um, it's actually a grapefruit uh, hefeweizen, so it's it's kind of like a nice like going into summer drink. So I'm kind of kind of digging on it. You were you were big in summer uh, sours last summer, right? I love sours. Yeah, I love sours and great. I'm I'm pretty much a girly man drinker, but <laughs> but then but then I do like like whiskey and stuff. So I guess I redeem myself in some ways. Well, it gives us something to uh, to pick on when we're when we're hanging out. So that's I fine. I have that. no problem with that. I drink. What I, like I like the, to drink. I, I like the easy shots. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you and I were were kind of talking. We were chatting a little bit, and we were talking about um, we were talking about the apocalypse, and we were talking about what if things go sideways really bad. And we live in a pretty tight knit little neighborhood. Everyone's got some pretty good provisions. We got a lot of good close neighbors, and then you pulled out of nowhere, something I was not expecting. And you said, I got a bug out location. <laughs> and I was well, like, shit. I'm like, I did not expect that to come out of your mouth. But so, yeah. So go ahead, man. Well, it's more of, uh, you know, an idea. It's, it's, it's something that over the years that, uh, my wife and I have been together, uh, we've been together almost, oh my God, she's going to kill me. It's probably like, oh man, it's like 15 years now altogether, marriage and, and dating. And uh, over the years, um, I've become pretty close with some of her uh, f- uh, family, uh, specifically a, a couple cousins. And um, there's one of them that that live in an area that would be my bug out location. And it's it's in New York. It's a little bit of a hike. It would take me a considerable amount of time to get there, especially if you know all hell breaks loose and uh, you know the main highways aren't available and things like that. But luckily, as you've pointed out a couple times, I. Uh, am an aspiring pilot working on my license so i would steal an airplane and fly my ass <laughs> up there <laughs> so so in this conversation you bring up cousin brian and i'm like cousin brian i've never heard you mention cousin brian before but you start well, i don't want who, people knowing about my bug out yeah location, that, Mike. that's fair um so we get talking and i'm like i, I want to talk to this cousin brian a little bit so we have a little chat with cousin brian and one thing leads to another and we say hey let's have cousin brian on the show so without further ado we have cousin brian on the show so cousin brian brian how you doing welcome to the show doing great glad to be on the show with you 
Oh man, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Um, so without giving too much detail to Keith's uh, bug out location, no, I'm just kidding. Give us all the details. Uh, tell us, <laughs> tell Ryan, us put about them, put them down the road a few miles, okay? Down the road a few miles. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll give you directions. Uh, maybe you'll end up in Pennsylvania instead. Who knows? All right. So so tell us a little bit about where you live, um, Brian. Tell us about where it is and and what kind of lo- what kind of uh, geography and whatever you want to tell us. Uh, well, I'm um, living in northern New York. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to get into super, super specifics, but on the northern edge of the Adirondacks, so St. Lawrence Valley. Um, so we're buffered, uh, buffered pretty good from anywhere from the city um, and buffered from the north by the St. Lawrence River. So, um, Would it be safe to say it, that if you took a real good hike, you could wind up in Canada? <laughs> if I took a if I took a really good hike on uh yeah, I could end up in Canada very easily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough, fair enough. So, you know, sometimes I think we take for granted uh, especially where we live in we I say downstate, but it's funny if you're in New York City, they call us upstate. We're oh, definitely yeah. in we're in the southern region of of geographically speaking of New York State. So, we're an hour and a half outside of New York City, and we take for granted sometimes the I like to say that we are, we are dead smack in the middle between Albany and New York City. Yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly right. But to me, upstate is Albany and above, but to New York City people, we are definitely upstate. Right? Is that Correct. Fair that 100%, and it aggravates me every time I hear it because yeah. Brian is upstate. <laughs> right. It does. It's, it's a little bit – It's one of those things that gets to me, and uh, you know, you got to remember everything is a matter of perspective, right? Yeah, and that is true, and and I mean, obviously, when they say upstate, it is technically upstate. But if you look at a map of New York, we are not upstate, not even close, not even close. We're not in the bottom close. third, exactly. Exactly. So, anyway, with all that said, where we live, fairly close to New York City. I don't want to say suburbia, but you could say suburbia. We take for granted how convenient things are where we live. Right? It makes us a bit soft in some ways. It, it, anything you need is pretty close by. Um, but Brian, you do not live in such a locale. So tell us about how you prepare for life's ine- inevitable mishaps. Because I'm assuming where you live, you can't get certain things as easily as we can. Well, it's, you know, once again, it's a matter of perspective, right? Um, when, you're, when you're talking about going to the store, let's just, let's just start with the basics, right? Going to the store for bread or milk or anything like that. Um, you or living down there, a lot of people are probably within five minutes of a supermarket, um, where a supermarket being not your local corner store, right? Uh, somewhere where you can get bulk goods and pretty much everything that you're looking for. A major um, retail box right. store you're talking about. Right. You know, like a Walmart superstore or, uh, Target Walmart or, you know, somewhere, somewhere where you can get. Correct. Goods. Yep. Um, you know, for me, uh, closest store like that is probably about 15, 20 minutes away. So it's not super far to go. Uh, but in that 15 minute drive to get there, I have two large stores to choose from in that town. Right. No matter which direction I go from where I live, it's the same thing. You go there, you have one or two major stores. So to get the goods that I need is not a hardship. The hardship would be um, 
when you're starting to look at if something is going to go wrong. Well, I have two stores. Well, every single person that lives around my area is going to be going to those same two stores, right? So that's fair. Yep. You know, where you live, um, you know, I'm assuming, you know, you probably have 20, 30, 40 different stores you can go to if you're talking about a 20 minute drive, but you're in the same boat, right? You're going to have a larger population destiny, right? Going to those stores, trying to get all the same goods, you know, yeah, and, but I would say though, so like, and this is not a stereotype, oh, it is a stereotype, I suppose, but maybe, maybe not fairly stereotype, but I tend to think people in New York city who have everything at their fingertips, meaning transportation, shopping, any kind of food they can think of. If they want, you know, Vietnamese food, it's available. If they want, you know, whatever they want, it's there. I feel like people in New York, New York City, tend to be less prepared for inevitable situations because they have so much available to them. And then if you move up an hour or two hours north of there, I think we tend to be more prepared, Keith, because I I don't know why, but maybe because there is less things available. And as you move north... Yeah, it gets more and more. It gets more and more so in terms of people being prepared. Yeah. So go ahead, Keith. You're you're basically saying that the farther those basic essentials are to get, and Brian, maybe you'll you'll agree with this. The farther it is to get to those things. So, like, you have a 15, 20 minute drive. We have a five minute drive. New York City has a phone call, and it gets delivered. Right. So. I think what you're saying, Mike, is is the is the more you have to do to get the basic necessities probably means the more you are prepared for any type of real, you know, crazy situation that might happen. Right. Is is, is that fair? Is that kind of what you're saying, Mike? I think that's a good summary of what we're all talking about. But yeah, it's an, you put it very nicely. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that myself. You know what you're saying um, on the. The other side of that, I would have to say that we also have to look at logistics um, for people that uh, may want to stock up on said things, said products, um, but are living in more of an urban city environment, right? You have to look at space, right? Um, Somebody that's living in a one-bedroom apartment or a studio apartment is probably not going to have, you know, an entire pantry full of stock goods. Right. But what, no, that's all right. But what they can probably do is they could have, um, you know, a couple, let's just say a couple totes, storage totes of um, like freeze dried or dehydrated food, you know, that could still, all they would need is a water, is water to do it, which um, when you're in the city, at least you have your municipal water sources. So you don't, even if the power goes out, you still have water. Right. right. So, you know, from that standpoint, people are able to get stuff, but it's still not the same. It's not the same as um, what you're saying about being like prepared up here. Like, I think it, it's amazing how many times I think about this stuff, this stuff. Uh, my wife thinks I'm a little nuts at times when I start talking to her about it. Um, but like, let's say you have uh, you want to have flour on hand and sugar um, some bread yeast, right? Uh, and I would, I would say that those are like main necessities, right? And then you have uh, a generator um, for power for your well, so you have water. If you don't have a, you know, running source or a hand pump, 
Um, those are like the top things, right? You can probably yeah. forage for food depending on where you live. Um, but uh, yeah, to be able to go to the store quickly um, is ideal, but you definitely have to you definitely have to think about what you need on hand for a long term uh, survivability. And yeah, I think what I think to sum that up is like, if you're in New York city, you have an apartment, right? You come upstate to where Keith and I are and we have basements, right? Like we have good sized basements. If I want to store quite a bit of stuff, I can go up to where you are. And a lot of people have outbuildings and barns. And so, you know I mean? Like you start to progressively get more land, more space. And the more space you have, the more you need to be prepared, but I think the more you can be prepared. And that kind of brings me to my next point. Um, you kind of already mentioned like a couple of things that you would prep, generators, things like that. But is there one prep that you would love to add to your overall preparation plan that you haven't gotten to yet, but you want to? Like, is there one, if you can give me one thing that's like your, I got to get this. This is the thing I'm missing. I would say that uh, my one thing is, would have to be, um, like a Berkey water filter, something along those lines, like a, uh, aqua, aqua pure, um, I think is right on the same level as Berkey, uh, a water purifi- purification system, a water purification system, but one that you don't, it's not a chemical based, um, right. it's mobile, it's a, it's a, it's mechanically used and they're mobile. You could take them with you. Right. right. And it's, you know, it's going to get 99.9% of everything out of the water, no matter what you're putting through it. Yeah. And I actually then, have one. It's not a Berkey. Berkey's are real nice. They're real expensive, but I have one. I did a little backpacking back in a few years ago. And, uh, at one point, you know, we packed in enough water to get so far, but we planned on, on purifying. And we got to one point where, and I'm not exaggerating. It was murky dirty like we were like sitting with frogs <laughs> and i and when i purified it it was crystal clear i mean it was like it came out of your faucet so if you get a good one i mean you really can uh do some amazing uh stuff with them so i mean the one thing i've been thinking about is you mentioned a generator but if it gets bad enough you know there's only so much gas you know so like i would yeah. love to have some some gas stored but then you get into some a little bit of risk factor but that's something i've been trying to figure out how to do safely well, i think I think that that is a great point right there is a generator and gas being, um, being your main downfall of your generator. Right. Absolutely. Let's say that, uh, let's say the society is breaking down and you need to bug out, right. You need, or even if you're not bugging out, you're bugging in, right. You're sheltering in place. Um, gas is a good bartering tool. If people aren't able to, if, trucks aren't able to resupply gas stations, um, then a gallon of gas is gold, right? Somebody needs to have a vehicle to go somewhere. You need to make sure that um, you're sheltering in place and your plan is to shelter in place until things get to a certain point. So let me pick your brain on this because I've looked into getting um, uh, like a 55-gallon drum filling that with gas keeping it in an outbuilding. I have an out, a small outbuilding and having like a hand pump on it, but the, it's a little dicey. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. It does freak me out a little bit to have that much gas sitting in a, in a shed. Um, you know, and even that 55 gallons sounds like a lot, but it's not, it's it is not. a lot. 
but it's not that much. It's not gonna, it's not gonna last you a month of on your generator if something really personally. Went bad. I don't even think that's worth it. You know, you figure out a better way to get maybe solar power or do something else. But yeah. I, I, well, you know, and again, I say that personally because my plan is not to stay here. My plan is to go to Brian. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I see. I think that uh, I think that having that gas on hand like that, I mean, it's fine. I mean, I I have the farm up here, and you know, I have. Uh, granted, they need to be filled, but I have uh, a two hundred gallon diesel tank and a two hundred gallon unleaded tank that should be filled at all times. Uh, unfortunately, I'm you know I'm not as good with. Uh, what I think I should be doing as, as I am with the, what you know, you know what to tell yourself to do, but uh, right. That's everybody. um, It's not just you. Yeah. No, we, we do that all the time, Mike, right? We tell people what they should do, but we don't actually. Absolutely. It's it's the premise of this show. (laughs) So so I I was going to ask one question, Mike, Brian, just, just because some of the people in here heard you say farm and might be going, this guy don't have a farm. How many acres do you have? I have, I have 232 acres. Farm, farm bitches that's a farm <laughs> that's, uh, you know and uh it's an, it's an old family farm um you know and it's it's getting there it's getting up to where i want it to be um we're getting ready to uh get some cattle on here um fencing's going to be done uh raised a couple pigs a couple years ago uh we'll have some chickens here shortly once i get my sawmill um, in place, uh, which, you know, everything that, uh, everything I just said is all the reasons why Keith is coming to me, right? It's for the sole purpose of self-sufficiency, right? It's, uh, I don't want to pay, uh, you know, forget, uh, forget global catastrophe aside, right? I don't want to pay $12 for a ribeye steak. I want to, I want to watch my cow grow up. I want to have it butchered and I want to eat it. And you know, that steak's going to cost me about a dollar fifty. Right. That's, you know, that's what I, that's my ultimate goal going into what you were talking about, about, uh, gas, you know, holding on to it. It's a great idea. A 55 gallon drum. I wouldn't hesitate at all to have that. Um, the issue that I would have with that is how fast are you going to cycle through that? Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, the part of my plan, like he said, Oh, I wouldn't do that or, you know, whatever, but it would be great like when I'm mowing the lawn and I freaking run out and I'm like, shoot, now I have to like run to the – like it's nice – it'd be just nice to just have it, you know, just to be able to use it. Um, and then obviously like if I know like, man, this is getting kind of stagnant, I would just put it in my car. You know, that's kind of my plan is just pumping. Yeah, it you definitely have to plan on rotating it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean – Yeah, it definitely would I'd work. I'd put some stabilizer in it, you know, just to, to kind of keep it stable. But There you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's bring this back to guns a little bit. Um well, as he starts talking about guns, um, we talked before the show a couple days ago and you're pro second amendment. How did you get into guns? It was it just kind of your whole life. Just been into guns and my entire life. Yeah. I mean, that really some sums it up. I mean, when I was, well, I mean, ever since I was born, my father had guns. Um, one of which was handed down to him from his grandfather, which was pretty cool. Um, and uh, actually, when I was young, my father actually uh, used to do his own reloads. Um, so I would go up and uh, punch the primers out in his shotgun shells or his rifle casings. And um, I don't know, it was a good bonding time, right? Um, just go up, sit in a room, and just you know hammer out some shells. And it was great because then you turn around and uh, he would go out and go shooting. And the whole process would start all over again. So it was 
it was good. Um, and then hunting, you know, um, obviously when you're, uh, involved in hunting or around hunting, you know, obviously, uh, guns are a huge part of that. And I don't know, I consider myself to be lucky to have grown up around that. I would agree. It's awesome. It's really great. So would you say that most people that live where you live are pro second amendment and, and own guns as well? Like, is it just kind of common where you, where you live? I would say that, uh, I would have to, hmm. I think that more and more, um, as time goes on, more people are kind of fading away from the, uh, idea of hunting, which in turn is leading people to not be necessarily against guns, but you're kind of losing, even up here, you're losing a little bit of the culture. Uh, but with that being said, where I live, I do not know. Yeah, I can, I think I can safely say I do not know, um, a single person up here where they don't have a gun in their household. Yeah. So they, so it is definitely more, I think, accepted there. Um, I was actually a little shocked when you said that it's they're they're not that they're not against it, but they don't own them. That's a little, a little shocking to me, but, um, I would agree with you. I think hunting is, I, I grew up hunting. Ter- I'm a terrible hunter by the way, but I grew up hunting with my dad and I would agree. I, I think, you know, it, it is something that there is some people love it, you know, and, and I think it'll always have a place, but it is not what it once was. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned that, you know, living in rural America, I think that hunting and to some extent protection guns are kind of part of rural America. I mean, how far away is your local PD? Um, well, to be honest, uh, we don't have a local PD, um, that serves our area. Um, if you go into kind of answers my question, where yeah, I'm going with this, yeah, you uh, got to wait for the stadies. <laughs> yeah. If you go into uh, the local village, um, where it actually is where uh, the stores were that we were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, there is a local police department there, but uh, where I am, it is all state police. Yeah. So you have, a, I'm sure there's an ample amount of officers in that barrack, but what's the response time? How long would it take them to get to you? Um, Assuming they weren't right down the road on a, on a patrol, but I mean, if yeah, they're, I, I always, I would probably say, um, Maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes at the most. They're That's usually, not too bad. you know, That's they're, not as bad as I they're thought. pretty well spaced out. I would say, you know, for an officer to, um, you know, to respond to a call, I would, I would think, especially depending on what the call is, you know. I mean, I've watched. Uh, I actually live on uh, one of the main roads up here, which is slightly unfortunate. Which I can relocate to a side road, but uh, I love what I have, um, you know. But I've probably watched. Uh, troopers drive by here about 120 miles an hour, you know, just, just like a gust of wind going by, you know, so they can get places pretty quick up here with no, you know, it's, you know, it's funny, Brian and and Keith. Um, so Keith knows this. I I do a little bit of, um, Brazilian jujitsu and, um, very entry level, very beginner phase, you know, but, um, I've been doing it for a while and people don't realize this. And if you've never done anything like that kind of a sport or that kind of activity, three minutes of fighting somebody at full bore feels like an hour. And I, and I mean that like it feels like an eternity. And if you're fighting for your life in your house, like five minutes is a pretty good response time. But I don't care if it's five minutes or 
30 minutes. It is, if you're fighting for your life, like you want every advantage that you can have because the five minutes is going to feel like an eternity. Guaranteed. I, I could not agree more. You know, I, I, the number one thing, I mean, you, you do not want to have to rely on somebody else to get to you, to protect you. I mean, that's you, uh, you know, if somebody's throwing a punch, you don't ask your friend to step in front of you. You know, you, you throw your hand up to try to block the punch, you know, I mean, you're not waiting on somebody else to, to do it for you. You know, you have to do it yourself. And I think more urban dwellers, I think are used to having things taken care of for them. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but if you need a ride somewhere, someone will come pick you up. If you need, you know, you need help, there's 40,000 New York state police or, or New York city police officers. Like there's just a lot more ability to be taken care of where you have much less of that where you are. And I think that shows in sort of your way of life and your preparedness and man, good for you. I mean, I, I kind of wish I could do, I was, I've been watching this show um, about these couples who are uh, vying to take over this legacy in Alaska, this mountain. It's a pretty cool show. And I just finished it. And man, let me tell you something Like you need a plane to get to where this house is. And I'm like, I could do this. I could do this. I couldn't do it. I honestly, I, 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 the last night I was like, I like like to say I could do it too, but I know for a fact it would be, it's hard. I'm, I'm not anywhere near prepared enough to, uh, to do something like that, you know? So we have a, we have a, um, a little tradition on the show and the tradition is called run and gun. So Brian, run and gun. I'm going to ask you 10 questions. And oh. they're, they're very quick. They're rapid fire. And I want you to give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Oh, man. I, you, you gave me no no study time on this. All right, I, I couldn't. If, nope. I, if I did that, Nobody it would be gets it. Nobody gets it. All right. I here. couldn't even give you the family in, in, uh, in on it, Brian. <laughs> All right. So here we go. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to give him a best. Here we go. All right. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, my Mossberg 500 shotgun. Awesome. Uh, what gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, an AR-15. If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? My father. Favorite caliber? Ooh, 260. Favorite hobby not gun-related? Uh, is cutting firewood considered a hobby? That would be Sure, a, man. For good you exercise. It is. <laughs> good exercise, too. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, um... This is gonna. This might sound a little, little off kilter, but uh, to actually read, write, and understand all languages, both uh, historic and modern. Ah, that's oh, a first. That's so geeky. That's so geeky, Brian. <laughs> I know, but I mean, just think of the knowledge that you could gain from that. I don't know. I know it's. It's a really, bad. really good <laughs> answer, but very geeky. And by the way, it's completely different than Keith's, which was X-ray vision. <laughs> 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 totally different, but anyway, number for totally seven. different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Number well, sure on that, right? Number seven. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Ooh, that's a good question. I would have to say trained. Is it better to be loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Ooh, you're not giving me any context. I would have to go shotgun. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Mm. Oh, I got to go with Big Keith. Why, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> All right. The uh, the host and co-host get some love on this uh, on Running Gun, I have to say. Um, 
All right, man. You did a great job. Congratulations. Yeah. Those were not nearly as bad as what I thought they would be. It's time for Top Gear. Let us test it before you invest it. All right. So we're going to review a little gear today. Um, Keith and I have each picked something we want to review. Um, Brian, you're our guest. Do you have anything, any items you've purchased, uh, either gun-related or uh, something close to that you'd like to kind of talk about? All right. Well, the one that uh, when I was thinking about this uh, that I thought was uh, it's just something I fell in love with. And it's actually something that uh, Big Keith has seen there um, is actually uh, a concealed carry holster um, from Alien Gear. And this holster is uh, in the waistband uh, concealed carry. But the thing that I really liked about it when I was looking, trying to figure out uh, different holsters that I wanted to get um, is the fact that this one is, uh, I call it a super tuck. Um, I think they call they refer to it as a cloak tuck. Um, and the thing is, that's great about it is you can tuck your shirt in, you know, so it looks like you are going to the office. I mean, I wore it to... Uh, I wore it to uh, a wedding. I, nobody knew I had it on on me, and you know, but my shirt was tucked in, and so that was one thing that kind of drew me towards this. And then um, I got looking into them, and you know, really researching it. And this one was very interesting to me because um, I don't like personally. I don't like a solid Kydex holster. I just find them to be hard. Um, not warm, if that makes sense. Um, but this one uh, had a original design, had a leather backing to it. So up against your body, there was a nice leather backing. And then the exterior of it was a Kydex. So you had the retention of the Kydex, but up against your body, you had that nice feel. And what they did was they upgraded this one. This is one I have is to like a neoprene um material that is able to wick the sweat and moisture away from your body. So you don't end up with those sweat marks. Um, then on the sides for the clips, they had three different kinds of clips. Um, they had a J clip, a C clip, um, and the regular clip. So the J clip, uh, goes behind your belt and loops under. So it kind of holds it a C clip. Um, so that you don't have to actually fish your belt into it. It kind of just kind of uh, I don't even know how to de- quite describe it unless you look at it, but it kind of fishes into it instead of have you having to try to force your belt, force the clip up and around your belt, and then just a regular clip. Yeah, I've um, uh, I've I've owned a um, an alien gear. They're they're pretty. I have one of the older ones, but they they are pretty nice. Um, I kind of went to a different, like kind of switched to a different style. But when I had it, I, I did enjoy it, and they're a good company too. I've I've had a couple issues and not nothing bad, but I had to call them and they handled it right away. They're they're definitely a good company. So they definitely are. Yeah, for sure. Um, the one other thing I think that really drew me to this one though, um, I just feel like I have to mention is, uh, those belt clips were adjustable. So I could adjust the cant and the depth in which, uh, my pistol was riding my waist, which I'm a bigger guy. I have, uh, a little more reach around, you know, <laughs> got more stuff. To go. Um, so it was uh, it was nice to be able to adjust the angle and the height of which my the 
you know, my weapon was riding. Um, so that really suited me. It wasn't just like I bought a holster and okay, I kind of have to deal with however it is, you know, I could really adapt it to what I needed. So I don't know, it was just something that, you know, I really ended up liking a lot. That's a really nice feature for sure. Yeah. So Keith, what do you got for us? I have actually something that uh, you recommended to me, Mike. Um, I had been complaining to you that I was purchasing too many firearms and I needed a bigger a bigger safe. And I really would rather buy more firearms than put the money into a new safe. <laughs> so uh, you recommended these uh, a product called Rifle Rods. And uh, I did a little bit of uh, looking around. and Which I've never owned, decided. by the way. It's just something I've seen. So I'm curious to hear Yeah, that. no, right. Yeah, good, 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 uh, good um, um, response, by the way, or, you know, specification, I guess I should say. Um, I did a little bit of looking at myself and realized that this was the item that was going to help me maximize the storage space in my uh, my gun safe, small or large. These work for for any any size gun safe. It will, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go as far as to say double, but I think it definitely doubled my uh, my storage space. Um, I should have bought more. I uh, <laughs> I bought enough to handle the amount of firearms that I had have at the particular moment, but I should have bought more you know, uh, based on how well they work. Um, I don't want to minimize the design, but sometimes the simplest things really work the best. They're just a plastic rod that fits into the barrel. Um, it goes all the way down to 22 or up to any size shotgun that you have. And basically the, the idea is to stand your gun straight up and down next to each other or in front and behind of each other. So, you know, right now every gun safe that I've ever seen, they have like these plastic cradles that are on the sides that you cradle your, you know, your weapons in and, and they only allow the side storage. If you were like me and have some nice shotguns that are very long, uh, sometimes uh, a shelf in my particular case, a shelf impedes the way that you have to angle them into the shelf. Um, basically this, this plastic rod is um, a, a Velcro has a Velcro tab at the end and it, the uh, product provides a shelf liner that you uh, staple to the existing shelf. I did have to uh, do some modifications to my shelf. I had to raise it up a little bit. Um, but this, I was limited to four to five guns due to that barrel length and some of my shotguns. And um, uh, I was able to move that shelf, take out the cradles, and I have more space than... I know what to do with in there. I have way more gun, way more room for guns. Um, it holds all of my long guns straight up and down. Now, um, my shelf space has, you know, definitely been limited, but I think that's an acceptable downside for the cost of a larger safe. Um, and it was pretty easy to install. And I took the opportunity to make some other modifications. I added a couple lights in there so that it wasn't, was a little bit easier to see. Um, what do they cost? Storm. They were twenty two bucks. They were cheap for five. And made and, in the US, um, right? Made in the US. Made in the USA. Uh they come in orange or black or maybe even a brown. Um stormoreguns.com is where I got them, but you can get them all over the place. And uh they, they were pretty pretty available, very quick to get to me, even um during uh uh high volume times uh when I ordered it. And uh, really, it was it was one, two, three. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll put links in the in the show notes for these for anybody that wants to find them. But you know what it is is when you have those little plastic rests that it comes with in the in the safe. 
know, you have to angle them a certain way. And it's never yes. the efficient way, you know. But yeah. now you can you can put them front to back, side to side. I mean, you you really have a lot of freedom. It's it. I've never used them, but I just know when I need to need to, I will get them because they're very. And cool. it, re- it it really hasn't impeded the ability to get them in and out. I would say, you know, obviously, like if you got it maxed out and you're next to each other, in front of each other, all that good stuff, you know, you're going to have to move a few things to get to them. But, you know, I have multiple spaces around my house where I store guns um, safely, of course. Um, it's not, you know, the guns that are in my safe are not guns that I use every day. Right. You know, they're my trapped shotgun, you know, um, a couple inherited, you know, guns from, from my grandfather um, that I just can't give up. The first gun I ever shot, you know, like they're just things I don't use every day, you know. So, sure. Um, it, for that for that purpose to be be able to maintain a safe environment to keep them and uh, not have to reinvest a, a you know fifteen hundred dollars into the next size up safe um, I, I thought it was a great a great stepping stone. Very cool. I'm glad you I'm glad you bought the product that I kind of threw out to you, and I'm glad you were able to kind of uh, vouch for it because it it's it's good, man. I'm glad I'm glad you found something that worked for you. So so my product tonight. Um, <clears throat> is actually a set of um, aftermarket front and rear sights for my pistol. Um, in this case, it is a Smith & Wesson uh, 9C, so 9mm compact. And I have a thing with sights. So um, when I first got into shooting, I thought, man, the, the three-dot system is is the bomb. You know, one dot in the front, two in the back. And the more I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole of gun ownership, and the more I've read, I've realized I don't like that setup. The reason I don't like that setup is because it, at night you wake up and you hear, you know, bump in the night. And I don't know if anyone's ever like brought this up to you guys, but those three dots are interchangeable. You could put that front dot to the left of the left rear dot and it still looks like three dots, but you're going to shoot to the left. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that could You'd be thinking that. Yeah. 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 So I, and I went to a system where I like completely blacked out on the rear. No, nothing. And what I have gone with on this particular gun is on the front sight, it's um, an Ameriglow Pro Glow front sight. And I love it. And I, I actually have, they don't make it for a different gun than I have, but I found a similar product. And what it is, is it, it's a green tritium lamp in the very middle. So at night, it glows bright as can be. And then around it is this orange, and they also make it in this weird lime green, but I I don't like that one, but an orange outline. And it's this really, really bright luminescent paint. And even that shows up, not, it won't glow in the dark, but it shows up in like real low light. So in daylight, you have this big, giant red dot that like you just put at center mass. And I mean, it is like your eye cannot not focus on it. And because I go with a blacked out rear sight, all you see is that front sight, which if you know anything about shooting fundamentals, that's what you're supposed to focus on is that front sight. Um, and then of course it offers the, the green tritium at night. That front sight was a $60 purchase. And I have to tell you every gun, as long as I can get something like that for any of my pistols going down the, you know, going forward, I will. As for you installed the, it yourself, Mike? I uh, I actually had a friend do it. So I had a friend who had a sight pusher, and he did it. Um, actually, it was, it was Smoke Wagon, who we had on the show a while back. They did it for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, 
The rear sight is called the Ice Claw, I-C-E Claw. Um, it's created by Rob Pincus, who is a, uh, a big name in the training gun firearm training field. Um, and it has this sort of concaved claw. It has a low glare with no dots on it. And that claw is meant to be able to like rack it off of like your belt or your pants or your pocket or your boots so that if you have like if one hand is down, you can still kind of manipulate it, which is one of the things that is a kind of a, if I have my choice, is something I like on all my firearms. Now, that's only $25, which I think is a steal. Um, they're currently sold out. Um, I don't know if they're making them anymore. I don't know what the deal is. But I would say that the claw concept is a little cheesy. Um, if I, if I'm, it's a good site. Don't get me wrong. It does everything as promised, but they kind of sell it as this claw. I've had other sites that are just a straight up, they have kind of like meat on it and you can do the same thing, you know? So anything that has like a little bit of grip that you can rack off of something is, is fine, but I do like it. Um, and, uh, I do have another, something similar. Maybe I'll review that on another episode, but I personally like to upgrade my sites. I love that big red dot and, um, man it's 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 a good really good site and for eight for you know 85 bucks um it really upgraded my pistol quite a bit so again links in the show notes anybody's interested go uh go and take a look at them and uh i would recommend them They're good well i think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit all right so now we get to the segment of the show where we are going to talk about something other than guns and preparedness and I was actually cleaning out my garage today and it got me thinking, man, having an, a garage or a workshop is just awesome. And I know, Brian, you mentioned to us the other day that you have a, a couple outbuildings, barns, and I know Keith, you know, you're a big car guy. So I want to kind of, I'm going to paint the picture and then we're going to go from there. So the picture is you get your hands on a big building, let's say 2,000, 3,000 square feet, and you're going to make it into a workshop. Does Make my it, wife know about this building? <laughs> I won't tell her about it. How's that? <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Um, so you maybe you're into woodworking. Maybe you're into gun stuff. Maybe you're into auto body, auto mechanics, whatever. But every shop has some fundamental things that they all can have in common, right? So I kind of want to go down and just kind of like round robin this and I'll go first. Couple things that you think you got to got to get to kind of pimp out your your shop. So, for me, before I do anything, I need electric everywhere. So I need plenty of outlets, and I need plenty of light. So, like in my garage, I have two eight foot fluorescent housings going down both sides of my garage. Um, so sixteen feet on each, and then I have one going across the front of the garage, one big strip. And I turn that thing on and it's like, man, it like lights it up like the sun and I love it. And for electric, I don't have electric everywhere, but I have these like pulleys that you pull down the electric cords. I'm sure you've seen them and I have them mounted up in the ceiling and I can bring those cords anywhere and I can run anything I need to in there. But I need electric and I need lights because without that, it's not a workshop for me. So Keith, what about you? What's your first couple things you'd add to this shop we're building? Well, the shop needs to be long enough to fit my 20 plus foot Cadillac in there. Um, so we need to make sure there's plenty of length. Um, <laughs> and I need, uh, I, I need to have a lift. Okay. Fair. And I'm not a big car guy, but I must say I would love to have a lift because there's just always a, re- there's a, there's plenty of reasons to have a lift. You know what I mean? We so, have a neighbor who, we have a neighbor who has a lift and I am over there all the time. 
Yeah, his lift. Yeah, trying, yeah. Tr- try, trying to trying to con a way of getting my car on a lift. I don't think you have a garage or a shop um, where uh, a man would not say that he want, does not want a lift in exactly. it. Exactly. What about you, Brian? What, what do you got? Uh, so uh, let's see. I guess we'd have to go with what uh, what a dream shop would be for me, right? So dream shop for me would have to be like a general shop. Um, basically a shop that can handle everything right from working on equipment to uh, if I want to build a bed or a couch, you know, it has to be functional for everything. Um, so like what? So like, well, a so, welder. Yeah. So we have to, it would have to be, let's see. So give me your top um, two. You can only pick two. Give me two. We're going for two. Give okay. Me two. I'll come back uh, to you, but give me two for right now. And two specific. All right. Specific. Let's see. We would have to go with uh, absolutely a concrete floor, which I may may sound like uh, extremely basic for uh, anybody talking about a shop, but I know a lot of people with shops with gravel floors. Yes. Um, so concrete floor, right? And uh, let's see. N- number two. Number two would have to be um, heat. I would have to have heat in order to be able to work on stuff in the winter. That's on my list. Well, Actually, you you hit two yeah. of mine. So I said heat, and I also said I like those like really nice floors where they like polish them up and they you know have like some kind of coating that you can kind of like clean up real easily because yeah exactly tidy is good exactly. you know. All right, so my next two, um. I want to say the first is tool storage. So I need to have stuff to put. I need storage, uh, cabinets, you know, toolboxes, things to put stuff. Storage is key. And the other one that I feel is very, very important is um, like table space. So if I had a big shop, like a 3,000 square foot, I would have big shop tables that you can, you know, throw plywood sheets on and mark up. And, you know, if you're working on wood or you're working on whatever you're doing, you have a lot of table space. You know, I'm limited to just a workbench. It's a good size one, but if I had tables all over, man, that would make me just pretty happy. So, Keith, what about you? Next two. If you, you know, uh, I, I've had the luxury of uh, of working with some pretty amazing workshops and garages over my life, and large, multiple garage doors. Oh yeah, that's you nice. know you ju- you just have to have more than one way more than one way to get things in and out. Um, so that's, that's, that would definitely be the next thing on my list. Okay. Brian, I would have, I would have to go with, uh, it's kind of playing off of what you said, um, Mike about, uh, you know, having multiple benches, multiple places to put things. But, uh, for me, uh, they would have to be movable. Yes. Mobility. Um, either casters because um, like you said, uh, working with a sheet of plywood or something like that would be absolutely wonderful to have um, something big enough, especially something that lines up perfectly with uh, your table saw or something. So you could just slide right right across your table saw, right onto your platform. You know, you don't have to worry about anything overhanging. Um, that would have to be an absolute must um, to be able to split those apart and kind of move because once again, my ultimate workshop is able to do a lot of different things, right? So 
one configuration may not work for something else. I, I love mobility. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. And um, so I, I'm, I forgot to I forgot to say compressed air too. We yes, air. yes. All right, so I'm going to wrap yeah. it up. I'm going to give my last my last items, and then you guys can each get your final thoughts, and then uh, and I think that'll that'll probably do for us. So my last one. These are kind of just I want to call them novelty. Um, one. I kind of want it to just be nice in there. So what I mean by that is some paint on the walls, some maybe some cool, like Keith, I know you've been in, in shops where they have like, you know, cool, like whatever cars they have, they have those emblems on the wall or whatever, like some kind of cool oh, yeah. decor just to kind of make memorabilia. You, yeah. Kind of stuff to make you feel like you're just in your element and just make it nice to your be space. in. Yeah. Make your it space. your space. Exactly. Um, the, the second thing that I'm going to say would be um, workstations. So what I mean by that is if it's a big shop like this, I have a lot of hobbies. Maybe I have my reloading station. Multiple projects. Yeah. Maybe I have my woodworking area. Maybe I have my my lift and my car area. So I have these kind of cool areas. And then the last thing, and I actually have one in my garage and I will never not have one in my garage again, either a refrigerator or a beer fridge or a kegerator. And I have a kegerator in mine and, and it's great to be out there just doing whatever and just go grab a cold beer. And I love having that thing. So that's my final one. So Keith, final thoughts? Well, I'll give I'll give a little bit more stay on this practical stuff and uh can we have a bathroom please? Oh, that is sweet. <laughs> Man. Wow. Um, and and uh you know, I mean I, I love, you know, having this uh these uh ideas of uh of, of what we really need. And and I definitely you know, I definitely need some more room. Brian and, and Mike, you both know me. Uh, I, I I will not stop buying cars and my wife is gonna kill me one of these days. Um, but probably for me more so than, than this huge, you know, dream garage, I, 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 I more practical for me will probably be some sort of reloading room. Right. Yeah. That's your next project. You told me. Yeah. It's, it's my next project. I have the space all figured out and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a great place to be able to expand, you know, a firearm room and it be locked and it be safe. Right. All right, so Brian, you're our guest for tonight. I will let you have the final, final thought and wrap up the last thing you would put or last things you'd put in your shop. Well, I think the absolute number one um, kind of like non-tool related requirement is uh, a good stereo system. Oh, there I, you go. Yeah, there you go. You have to have your music playing. You know, No matter what music move motivates you, you just have to have it. Um, but uh, I could really get down with a uh, refrigerator and uh, having a bathroom at hand. I mean, that yeah. would be great. The stereo has to be number one for me. I'm not going to lie, man. I feel really good about this conversation. Like this is this is exactly what I was thinking, man. This is what this is the shop that I'm dreaming of, and I think we put together a pretty <laughs> sweet shop. Well, I uh, want to thank you, Brian, for being on the show. I mean, it was a it was a pleasure, man. You give a definitely give a different insight in terms of where you live and. And just uh, give give us you give us some things to think about in terms of the way we kind of prepare ourselves. And uh, man, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. I miss you, Brian. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure for me to be on here. I miss you too. Uh, we got to get together, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll talk again about this stuff. You know, it's it's always on my mind. It's always evolving. Awesome, man. Yeah, pleasure. Buddy. If you like this episode, you can support the show by hitting the subscribe and share buttons. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Gun Experiment so we can keep the conversation going.